chapter 10. And the Lord answered his enemies who came to try to catch him in his words regarding marriage and divorce, adultery and so forth. He explained to them in a brief section in Mark chapter 10. We come to verse 13 and they brought young children to him that he should touch them that he might touch them but the disciples rebuked those who brought them but when Jesus saw it he was greatly displeased and said to them let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. We saw recently that the Lord brought a child in front of the people and he spoke about offending the child. And what a great judgment will come upon people who offends one of his little ones. And here, again, the Lord cautions. As in this instance, it was the disciples who rebuked the people who brought the children, most likely the parents, They didn't understand the Lord's priorities. The Lord saw it and he was greatly displeased, it's written. And he said, I want the little children to come to me. And don't forbid them, because the kingdom of God is made up of these types of souls, human souls. And furthermore, he says, I'm telling you certainly whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as the little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms laid his hands on them and blessed them. Little children are usually not complicated in their thinking. Usually they're innocent And usually they believe readily what's told to them. They're not cunning, typically. They're not suspicious or suspecting. But they have faith. In that regard, they are ready to believe anything and anyone. As we grow in Christ, we are to remain innocent like a little child, and yet in malice, we should not be naive 
We should have nothing to do with malice or maliciousness. Be children like that who don't engage in the complicated, sinful tendencies of older human beings. At the same time, we're called to be wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. The Lord is emphasizing here that we need to allow our own children to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we saw before concerning little children, about the people who offend the little ones and how it's better for that person to have a millstone, a heavy stone tied around his neck to sink that person to the bottom of the sea. Here, the Lord doesn't pronounce that kind of judgment, but he shows that he is very displeased if little children are kept away from him. So everyone who has little children, who has guardianship of little children, but they forbid them to go to Jesus, they block the way. They make excuses, perhaps. Or they actively sow seeds of doubt in the little child's mind regarding God. We can all relate to this in one way or another. How either we ourselves as little children or others we've seen indoctrinate little children with false notions about God and destroy the faith of the little children by presenting the Bible as impractical or the Christian faith as untenable. It's just not something you can grasp or work out it's a big danger in displeasing God. By blocking the little children from coming to Christ. The contrary is what should happen. We should instill in the little children a healthy reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ from the earliest memory that they will have. Teach them about how good the Father is, how loving Jesus is. Show them what it means to obey God and prosper. And also speak of the consequences of disobedience. Give them that healthy fear of God and love for God so that we can truly see the proverb come true, train up a child in the way he should go, in the right way, when he's old, will not depart from it. Once again, when we read certain scriptures like these, we may have a guilty conscience, saying that I haven't done what I should have with the children that God entrusted into my hands. I really never taught them to fear the Lord, never really taught them how to love God, serve God, 
put Jesus Christ first, to know the way of salvation. We can't go back and undo those things. We can ask forgiveness from God. It's very essential that anything that we read in the scriptures that we are guilty of either not doing or doing, according to the standard of scripture, when the Lord says for us to do something, and says not to do other things, if we've done the opposite, we need to come to terms with that before the Lord. Even as we read the scriptures, the Lord makes manifest the things that are sometimes hidden in the heart or overlooked. We can say, Lord, search me and know my heart. Try me. He also says that what we should do to imitate these children who we're not supposed to forbid to come to God, we should actually imitate them. And he says here, the people who enter the kingdom of God, everyone that would ever enter the kingdom of God must enter it as a little child. not in a childishness of a little child in a negative way but in the innocency and faith that this message is from heaven someone's offering eternal life someone's offering something really good and I want it and I simply am going to open my hands and receive it. It's always the devil that complicates entry into heaven, complicates the way of salvation. The Lord says it's simple. So much so that it's easy for a little child to enter in than for many grown-ups. Because as people grow, as we know, they begin to become set in their ways, become highly opinionated, and begin to resist God's grace and indulge in sin in various forms. The hardness continues, blindness continues, but they feel very justified in their own choices. They don't respect God. They don't fear God. There's no room for the living God, not the true God, in their lives. And they listen to demons. And they feel very secure in lies. The Lord says, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? You need to stop trying to dictate your way, your own way, into paradise. Because that will never happen you find yourself in hell all the sooner. But to step back and be broken and humble, ready to learn and to receive like a little child, believing. The Lord says, be ye believing, not unbelieving. Humble like a little child. So these are the people 
who blocked little ones from coming to Jesus, who presumably the parents wanted to be touched by Jesus, to receive a blessing from the touch of this miracle worker, this Messiah, this healer, this loving teacher, rabbi, something about him. He's holy, he is honorable, he's loving, and he has divine power. We want our children. What parent wouldn't like the child to have a great future and a better future and what the parents are enjoying in their present condition? These people wanted their children to prosper, to be blessed. While they're bringing the little ones, the disciples and many people, thought that the little ones are insignificant. It's something the Lord is really displeased with when little children are despised. And it often is the case in this world that the weak and defenseless, underprivileged are oppressed. But what is the person who does that? The Word of God has us examine our own hearts and see if we ever oppressed anyone. If we ever offended little children by putting them down or thinking they're not important as adults, have you seen people do that? They talk to the child almost as if the child is an animal. Or worse. Because an older person comes into the room and all of a sudden the older person becomes more important than the child but the Lord reversed that here he said actually the child is at least equally important and is certainly typically more innocent and therefore a good example for the Lord to teach older people how to come close to God and to heaven. It's important for us to live a balanced Christian life and understand the truth. We can go to either extremes. For some people, the children become more than what the children should be and therefore the child grows up to become an oppressor himself or herself because the child has been unduly empowered by the parents to make decisions and choices from very early on as if the child is the parent or greater than the parent. The Lord didn't say put the child on a pedestal and worship the child in effect Neither did he say, oppress the child and forbid the child from coming near me. And I want to use the child as an example. These are the type of things that people seldom have time for. To really consider, have I 
treated the child and little children the way God wants me to treat them, whether they're my own children or other people's children. It's not a cookie-cutter approach where you're supposed to be one way to every child that is just love them and empower them and never discipline them. Or even the case of other people's children, if there's something happening that is dangerous, the child is doing something that can get them hurt, We don't try to be the child's hero and do everything the child wants. We have to stop the child. We need to teach the child. We need to let the child know that the child needs to learn from grown-ups to parents who have the child's best interests at heart and have wisdom to teach and to correct and to protect. At the same time, more often than not, seems that the little ones who fall in the class of those who can't defend themselves usually get oppressed by people who are bigger, older, seemingly have more power. The Lord is watching. All through the Bible we see the Lord has very many words to say to people who oppress their brother or sister, who oppress fellow countrymen who oppress family members, including those who oppress little children. And this is something that people usually don't think about because there's no one to defend a little child usually. But God is watching. And he'll call us to account if we ever oppress the little child. So it takes searchings in our hearts to think, how do I treat people? And can I have a good night's sleep if I have violated basic ethical principles in the kingdom of God? Even if no one calls me to give an account for it, God will. I want to change my ways. Perhaps some need to say that to the Lord. What seems to be negligible is actually a big deal before the Lord because he looks at the heart. God's not looking for actors and actresses, which is actually the meaning, the Greek meaning of hypocrites. He wants us to be uniform when it comes to ethics and morality in the kingdom of God to make sure that we don't go to either extreme. We don't worship people or little children, including little children, neither do we oppress people. As a general rule, we need to Respect the dignity of every human being, regardless of color, creed, culture, or chronology. 
however old they are. This lesson is so important for us concerning the kingdom of God. The Lord actually stopped what he was doing to point out the eternal truth that there's no man, no woman, no person that will ever enter into heaven, the kingdom of God, unless they become like a little child. So all at once, we're called to study how a little child is supposed to be. Every one of us must study what the Lord meant by this, and we have seen that. To be humble, to be believing, eager to receive with open arms. And to be innocent. And the Lord sealed his use of the little child as an example for everyone. His approval and love for the little one in front of everyone, including all children. He said, let the little children come to me. And he took them up in his arms, laid hands on them, and blessed them. Which is a picture for everyone who would come to the Lord like a little child not arguing, making excuses. Just come to him, ready to do what he says. The result will be what we see him do for this little child. He will touch us and bless us. The Bible says, You bless, O Lord, and it is blessed forever. King David prayed that. God blesses, he wants to give us a forever blessing. The next section, regarding the rich young ruler. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He came asking a question which was the most important question any human being in any era of human history can ever ask. The most important thing that anyone can ever seek. This man came with just that question and searching. A good candidate to receive from the one who said, Ask and it shall be given you. But the same one who said, Ask and it shall be given you also said give and it shall be given back to you. He came to receive and the Lord told him go give. He said I can't. And he left. He lost everlasting life. He had the right question. He had the right desire. How many people have you seen 
who cry and cry and say all the right words, the right Christian lingo, they know the verses and they'll cry and they'll say, Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry for doing these things. I feel like a fool. I'm so disgusted with myself. Why did I ever walk away from you? I don't know what's gotten into me. God, help me. But their prayers are not sincere because they have zero intention. A, zero intention of doing what God says to do to remedy this seemingly perennial problem, continual problem of backsliding. Or B, they have an intention, but they don't have the integrity to follow through with the commitment to take care of the problem the way God says to take care of it, which is to part from all that is evil. This man came as a good candidate for salvation, so it seemed he had the right question. He didn't come to trap Jesus in his words like these Pharisees. He just, as we see in the other Gospels, he was a man who had status, but he felt an emptiness that even with all my money, all my material goods, all my popularity and respect in society, like a Hollywood star perhaps, I feel empty. At the end of the day, I know I'm a fake. I pretend to be happy, but I'm really empty. And I know I need God. So I'm going to talk to God. Maybe I'll stop at the local church or call up a pastor. I'll go to the yellow pages. You know, I'm feeling empty. And I need God. Maybe you can help me. Of course. God loves you. That's good news. Tell me some more. Jesus died on the cross for you. Hollywood actor. Rich young ruler. Tell me more. You love me that much? I break up every time I see him on the cross. In any movie. So, I'm eligible for salvation. Yes. And you need to leave Hollywood with all of the filth that you're part of to come to the clean, crystal clear water that Jesus has to offer you. You don't understand how many fans I have. You don't realize what this will do to my career. I'll take you, Jesus, if I can live the Hollywood life. The preacher says, there's only one God. Either he sits on the throne of your heart or he does not and you do. If he sits on the throne of your heart and you listen to everything he says and follow him regardless of the cost, you'll inherit everlasting life far more than Hollywood could ever offer. 
and the person says, I don't believe in your kind of Jesus. The kind of Jesus I believe in, that I'm used to hearing about with all of those people who are Christians in my craft, are the type that say, it's wonderful to be a Christian, and they drink. I fear God, and they have multiple partners. So I'll go to their Jesus, a Jesus of my own making. I'm sorry, I can't take the Jesus you have to offer. And they walk away. This rich young ruler did a very similar thing. He said, I want eternal life. I know you got it. You've got to have the secret. I know it. That's why I came here in public, kneeling before you, an aristocrat. Aristocrat. Man well-to-do, well-respected because of his riches. Had the right question, right desire, but he didn't want to meet the conditions. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. I'm not just a good teacher. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Quite obviously the first commandment was not mentioned. The first of the two commandments on which the whole law and the prophets hang, as Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. The Lord purposely told him the commandments that he felt justified, that he had kept, and so he's eligible for eternal life. Meanwhile, he's coming to God with an idol in his own heart, already determined that I can probably have God in eternal life while I have my idol. And so he was bold to say, well, if that's all it takes, I've got it. I've done these things since I was a kid. And Jesus diagnosing his heart. He knew all men's hearts, but he wanted the man to face himself. 
looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven, a place of unlimited treasure, incomparable beauty and glory, enduring for eternity, no end. But what he had in his eyesight were dollar signs so that treasure in heaven became insignificant to him. He was blinded by the gold and silver of this perishing world. The Lord says you need to make an exchange. You need to give up your love for all of your material goods and your earthly pleasure, earthly treasure, in order to gain heaven's treasure. And the way the Lord addressed him to give up his idol was not as direct as the words which I've just said, but he said, the one thing you lack is you need to go and sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come. Take up the cross, not the easy, comfortable life, but the hard path the road that goes to heaven is full of tribulation, the Lord says. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, you must enter heaven through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, records that. If you want eternal life, you have to follow me. The young man would have said, I get it, I'll follow you. You have to take up the cross. I'm not so sure now. But before you take up the cross, you have to deny yourself. All that you love, hold dear to your heart must be surrendered in order for you to have everlasting life, treasure in heaven. But he was sad at this word. How could Jesus make a person sad when he always comes to give life to those who sincerely seek him? The reason the man was sad, disturbed, troubled, sorrowful and walked away from everlasting treasure is because after all he was lying to himself. He thought he was ready for salvation. He thought that I could probably just get by on my good looks. I'm respectable, aren't I? I have a sense of morality, a sense of justice, a basic sense of right and wrong, and I'm eager to do the right thing. I have a code of ethics all my own. He had his own standard that he 
lived up to and he thought that could get him by. How happy he would have been when he heard the very commandments that he actually kept, but he totally ignored the very first one under which everything else follows, which is to have God as God with no idol. That's the very thing the Lord touched because he touched on that because that was the thing that was a stumbling block to this man. And even after being told lovingly by the Lord, he left the Lord, left eternal life because he wanted life on his own terms, eternal life on his own terms. He wanted to tell the Lord, this is not the way. I'm sorry, you lost the deal. As if the Lord was a loser, but he was the loser. The reason he went away sad and sorrowful, the reason he was all broken up, teary-eyed and pouting and throwing a tantrum inside when Jesus spoke to him how to get saved was because he had great possessions. He had a big idol, big idol called money, wealth, material goods, What is it with other people? It can be sensual pleasure, illicit, immoral pleasure. They'll do everything. They'll be charitable here. They'll do that. They'll say, take my money. I don't want anything. Greatest guy, greatest gal, but they're under the bondage of unclean spirits who are destroying their lives and everybody around them. And they won't let it go. They love to do that which is deceptive in trying to satisfy themselves. There are two kinds of people who are bound by drugs, immorality, covetousness, greediness, loving money, The one is bound to the degree that they want to come out and they cannot come out. The other one can come out. The Lord is ready to break the chains. They're on the verge of coming out from the stronghold of the demon or demons. But they choose to love it and they walk away from God. It's the tragedy that happened with this man with the other gospel we see with the rich young ruler. And this is all the more reason for us to pray that God would help such people who casually, confidently make a choice even though they may see and be drawn to Jesus like this man walk away to their own doom. Never recorded that he ever recovered. He went away. The other gospel says that Jesus looked at him with compassion, but he didn't run after him. Because he foolishly asked for everlasting life. And when he was told the one condition to meet, he found it to be beneath him. He followed the devil 
to a greater delusion for the rest of eternity. How horrible. We need to know what are the dynamics when people say things. A lot of Christians, unfortunately, parents, siblings, leaders, are easily deceived by a very cunningly devised act from the children or other people on the job or in the church who seem to say the right words, who seem to show some remorse and on that slight note of hypocritical tears, many Christians fly with great joy. Say, well, that's great. They're, they're starting to turn to God. But a person who's been walking with God, who's more familiar with God's method of diagnosing deception and dealing with it, won't be moved by any act. But they'll watch to see whether the person will follow through with what they've cried about or said by departing from evil. There have been people who have come to meetings insincerely. And in the course of the meeting been arrested by the Holy Spirit with such severe conviction that they have changed from being an actor becoming a true, desperate seeker, ready to repent. They've gotten saved. That's the marvel of God's great grace that he will work with people as long as feasible. He knows then from the beginning we do not unless he reveals it to us. And so there's hope. There's real hope for a person who's sitting on the fence through prayer from other people. The Lord do whatever it takes and they will come and surrender to you. And there are those cases such as this ruler who came face to face with the creator of the ends of the earth. The creator of the universe, the Lord, the everlasting God. He came face to face with him. The gracious words that came from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ were soundly rejected by this man. And he walked away. There will be those who will say, unfortunately, every minister, every minister will encounter that. There will be those who will say, I'm so close and yet so far. I'm so far and yet so close. And they will miss everlasting life because of procrastination which leads to more hardness of heart many times, more self-delusion, 
and they enter into eternity to find themselves the greatest fool that's ever had an opportunity to go to heaven. These are the type of things that the scriptures speak of. Not that I've made up. We need to pray. We need to know what's at stake. We need to know that people can die any time. And we need to know how to be led by the Spirit. To talk to people the way God wants us to talk to them. How not to be deceived. So we can pray. Prayers of faith with the urgency and fervency required to do everything we can and not have blood on our hands. Same time. The person who's a beneficiary or recipient of all the grace that God has shown. If they don't want their own blood on their hands. They need to know when the fire department comes and says the building is about to blow up, you need to evacuate now. If they procrastinate and if they say, well, I'll find a way out, I don't need you guys. A person's blood will be on their own heads. It's a tragic story here. The Lord has recorded it. This man went to hell. He walked away. But there are many by God's grace. who under anointed preaching and teaching in an atmosphere where signs and wonders are flowing from God wake up all of a sudden and you see that they can't escape judgment is real at the same time, they have a longing for real love. A longing for a father who they can trust. And a miracle happens. So the good word for us as we conclude is to battle for those we love. Say, Lord, please, don't let this person I'm praying for end up like this ruler and keep battling until either the person surrenders to the Lord or the Lord himself tells you stop praying our hope is that God would spare the people we pray for And that there be a miraculous change. 
that we need to always remember, just like in gospel preaching, it's very unpopular today to talk about hell, and it may be outlawed not too many days from now. That's part of the truth. God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on him would have everlasting life. Is that what it says? God so loved the world that whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. The famous concise statement of the plan of salvation in John 3.16 that many, many people know, even non-Christians. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a perishing that's there that we need to tell people the alternative heaven to heaven is not purgatory. It's not an afterlife and waiting room where you have another chance. It's now to decide your future forever. You need to be aware of that. It's not just Jesus or my life, the way I like to live it, and non-Christian status. Is Jesus who is life or hell which is death forever? And although the next verse in John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Did he come to condemn that rich young ruler? No. But that the world, including that rich young ruler, through him might be saved. The Savior came he allowed the young man to come and kneel and fall at his feet. Ask the right question. Even though he knew he was insincere and he gave him the right answer, what do you need to do if you really want to be saved? But the young man chose not to believe in him. John 3.18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed, not trusted in, not placed his life in the hands of the one who is the only begotten Son of God in Jesus. And this is the condemnation. Can anyone ever find fault with God on Judgment Day? Why multitudes will be in hell? He said, this is the condemnation. The light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone practicing evil hates the light. Does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Nicodemus came And he was confronted, not just with an explanation about spiritual things, but he knew. He also needed to repent, and he became a believer. 
So there's hope. Praise God. For people who are sincerely seeking a way out, as I mentioned, there are two classes of people who are under the powers of darkness and meddling with sins. One is a group of people who are hopelessly bound. They really want to get out. But they're so deep into sin that the demons have just overpowered them and they no longer have any ability to get out by making a decision. The will itself has been dominated by the devil to the extent that they can't even make the decision without extra grace. There are others who are not bound to that degree and they can make a decision, but they've chosen to reject God's grace and taking it for granted and thinking they have time on their hands, they can do what they want and at the end of the day they can repent when they're old and weak and frail. Those people are gambling with their souls, rejecting God's grace. And it's possible for them to walk away like this man and lose everything. But there are those who are not so bound, people who uh, were addicted to different things and they decided enough is enough. I don't want this life. And they make a decision to seek out spiritual help with sincerity. And a miracle happens. I suppose as we conclude, that's the kind of prayer we need to pray for people like that. Lord, please make them sincere. People who seem to want Christ, they also want their idols. We need to pray, Lord, help them to be sincere, to have basic integrity, Lord. Help them to see themselves as deceiving themselves. They can say, enough is enough. What am I trying to prove? Who am I trying to deceive? I need God. And through the prayers of God's people, a miracle can happen. Praise be to the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand from your Gospels, Lord, more on who receives the kingdom of heaven. How simple it is and easy it is and how, Lord, you warn us not to oppress anyone, to be careful, especially the weak and defenseless. And you show us, Lord, how to not be deceived by the devil's crafty ways through people who are less than sincere, who may talk, some Christian talk, quote some verses, worship, raise their hands, all in pretense because they really don't want to surrender to Jesus. Lord, help us to understand and not to unwittingly 
help and support people in their deception. But Lord, as you've done in this church, help everyone, Lord, who's come into this church through the word of wisdom, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through the teaching from the Holy Spirit, through the warnings from the Holy Spirit, you become wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Help us, Lord, to make use of all that you've given us so that we can deal with these things in the way you want us to, Lord. And not hinder your plan, but to go along with exactly what you say, no matter what, so that your purpose may be fulfilled. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy in saving us. Some, Lord, who are bound hopelessly. You rescued, Lord. You had mercy, Lord. You pulled us up out of the mire. Others, Lord, who were bound, Lord, but you gave grace still to keep hearing the message till a decision was made to leave sin. Just walk away from it. Either way, you're the Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Today we have hope, we have life, we have new life. Because of you, oh Lord, help us, Lord, as I read the Psalms, the beginning prayer. Psalm 90. Teach us all the number of days that we may apply our hearts into wisdom. To do exactly what the Holy Spirit wants us to do every day. Lord, help us to truly desire that truly desire that all our moments, all our days will be consecrated to you. Thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing in this church, the work of purging and maturing. Thank you, Lord. You've shown us the key is humility. Thank you, Lord. 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 Praise you. Magnify your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.